Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we were just talking before we jumped on the recording session here about your interview with JR from Chives yesterday that was on the podcast. If you haven't heard that interview yet, definitely check it out. Uh, talked about how businesses are preparing to open back up in the coming weeks, uh, how businesses are shifting and changing, especially restaurants are trying to get creative with solutions that are going to come up uh, to unique challenges that they're going to have this season. And it was just a really great interview. JR kind of tells it like it is. He's a smart guy. He's a creative guy. And it was it was a really good listen. So if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, definitely check that out. Yeah, he was he was great to talk to. And then, uh, you know, we had Joel Kitchens earlier this week. That was, a, I think, a good conversation of where things are happening in, in the state level politically, maybe, maybe too much politically. Um, and then later today, we got Carrie Baldwin, who's an event manager and wedding planner, and now a new mom homeschooling her kids. So... A nice uh, spread of perspectives this week for everybody if they want to plow through the archives a little bit. Right. We've had Carrie Baldwin on the podcast before. She's really fun to talk to. So I'm looking forward to hearing that interview later today. Uh, So why don't we jump in with the uh, news and updates. So yesterday... We saw Wisconsin's largest surge in cases of COVID-19. Door County's numbers hadn't changed by the time that I had reported them yesterday, around 2 o'clock. I haven't had a chance to look at the numbers today, but I'm I'm assuming things are probably the same as they were yesterday, correct? Yeah, as we're updating right now, at we're recording at about noon on Thursday, and they haven't released Thursday's numbers yet. Those usually come out at about 2 o'clock. But the one thing with yesterday's surge is... So the 225 new cases yesterday, but as a percentage of total tests taken, it was right in line. It was about 11.9%, which is for the last 10, 10, 11 days, we've been between 8.5 and 11.9%. So I know like there's been some talk and especially from the legislative leaders as they filed this lawsuit against Evers extending the safer at home order. They've, people have been saying, well, we're on a clear downward trend. I don't know what graph they're looking at to get that. Like we've we've been sitting between 150 and 175 new cases every day for eight or nine days. And then yesterday it spiked up to 225. But don't be so alarmed by that 225 because we tested a lot more people. Our capacity is growing, which is right. a good thing. So we're, we're still sitting about flat as a percentage of total tests taken. And most of this surge now is coming from the meatpacking plants in the Brown County area which obviously hits a little closer to home for us in Door County, a little scary um, for this area. But, um, you know, we're, we're plateaued, I, I would say. And then hopefully we start seeing this drop. I think you're going to see the numbers continue to go up because we're aiming to get from the capacity to do 7,000 tests a day to try and get a capacity to do 12,000 a day. As we start doing that, you're going to see the numbers go up, but it's important to watch like the percentage of total tests taken. That's what Evers has said he's going to judge the reopening on. I did look at Washington's numbers. Yesterday, I talked to somebody who had said, well, Washington State has has like 20 or 30 times more cases than us, and they're allowing people sitting on their patio and things like that and eating at restaurants. And so I was, I was walking through the data with him. Washington, it's, it's just kind of a, there's so much information people either don't have or There's misinformation going out. Washington has about three times as many cases as Wisconsin. They had about 12,000. We have about 5,000. But Washington has kept theirs. They plateaued 
more than they started to plateau about three weeks ago. And now they've seen a, a pretty consistent downward trend. So they are right. actually by that data a couple of weeks ahead of us. So that would be why like certain states are are in a different spot. Even if people still think of Washington as that hot spot, they also got their first cases far in advance. So it's you got to you got to read a lot honestly to keep track of it. I don't blame people for not um, totally understanding where everything's at, um, and it's a lot of hunting and packing around the internet to get all these different data points. Um, but I think you know if we can keep that that percentage of cases flat and then see that downward trend. I mean, hopefully we're we're getting to a better place in Wisconsin, and maybe we can reevaluate whether we need to open on the twenty sixth or the fifteenth. Right. And it would it would definitely, in my opinion, be safer to not be the first state to open back up. Uh, I know that there are people pushing for a May first opening, but you know we can we can only benefit from other states who are seeing their downward trend opening up. We can benefit from seeing how opening back up works for them if there's a resurgence in cases or not, and then gauge our plan based on that. But if we are racing to be the first ones reopened, uh, then if there's negative consequences to that, we're going to be hit the hardest by them. Yeah, I'm so. all for letting the uh, Las Vegas mayor do what she's talking about and be the <laughs> guinea pig for the country. Like, all right, if you want it, go ahead. Right. Um, Georgia, if you want to be the guinea pig, sorry for your citizens, but I mean, go go ahead, Brian Kemp. And, and that's what... Chris Heck told me the uh, the fire chief, Liberty Grove's Citrus Bay fire chief, said like I'm happy where we're at. I, I I'm very optimistic, but why would we want to be the beta test for everyone? So it's a good point. And and I talked to, gosh, it's got to be 25, 30 business owners now over the last three, four days for a story that'll come out tomorrow in the Pulse about what what the general consensus is from the from the business community. And I, I didn't hear a lot of a lot of harping on, hey, we want to be open May first. Everyone seems to be re- pretty cautious, and everyone wants to to start getting some cash flow as soon as possible. But more than anything, I think everyone wants clear direction, and hopefully that badger bounce back plan is starting to give them that. And hopefully, we all work together and help make that successful. Right. Well, one of the big takeaways that I had from your conversation with JR yesterday was that he said that he, like, it would be nice to be open for Memorial, but he'd rather be closed for Memorial and have a great June, July, and August than open for Memorial, have a good Memorial Day weekend, then see a resurgence in cases and have to close down and lose June, July, and August. So you you lose that small bump in the beginning, but then you get to ride out the rest of the season rather than the other way around where you get that small bump in the beginning, you feel good and then have to close down for the rest of the season. So it's definitely all about timing at this point. Absolutely. And I think if there's anyone, I'm surprised Tavern League's making that hard push for, for May 1st. I would rather not see bars and restaurants. That wouldn't be my first choice. I'd say small retail. I think you can make a really good case that our small independent shopping businesses you know, your clothing stores and cooking stores and stuff that generally even on busy summer days or even art galleries where they might not have more than a handful of people in there, even on a busy day at a time, that would be your starting point and see if you can start doing those because it's much easier to control that and affordable to control that than it is to control a Target (laughs) or Walmart or even a grocery store for that matter. So I think you could make the case for some of those types of stores first 
I would say maybe even now. And then the restaurants later and see if like those more high risk places can learn from those other ones. One thing that you have heard if, if you've been paying attention to the news is that this rhetoric of, well, with Evers went so much farther than anybody else, way out ahead. Well, it turns out now Illinois, their goal for testing, people thought Evers' goal of 12,000 tests per day was too high. Illinois' goal is 20,000. The mayor of Chicago has already said like, she's hinting that they're going to be looking at an um, extension into June. So Evers' order may have seen seemed like it was way out there at the time, but it's, it seems like other states are starting to see that at least the Midwestern states, are, are pointing in that same direction, Minnesota as well. Um, while easing up on some of the th- places that they're starting to find maybe aren't as risky. Right. Well, and I'm not, I don't have all of the data to compare Wisconsin to the rest of the United States to see what our numbers are like compared to other places of similar populations. But at the very least, I, I think it's pretty great that in Door County we've had under 10 positive cases. You know, we've had one death, but think about how things could be if if the safer at home order wasn't as strict as it is. You know what I mean? If if we hadn't closed down as many of the businesses as we did. People are coming up here. People are vacationing up here, returning to their summer homes. So it's not like nobody's coming up here. We're seeing people coming to Door County, but we're not seeing that influx of cases that we might expect had things not been the way that they were. So at the very least, I think that you can look to Door County's response and Governor Evers' response together, and we can see the number of cases that we have, knowing that while medical professionals were saying that Door County was low risk, as a tourism destination, we knew that there was a a much higher percentage of, of people coming in to Door County who could potentially be infected. So looking at the numbers here and where we're at now, five, almost six weeks into this, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty proud of what Door County has been able to do here, especially considering our vulnerable population. You know, it, it irks me a little bit that we're going into this lawsuit situation now where the legislature, legislative leaders have filed suit to try and overturn Evers' order rather than even just proposing a plan of their own. I, I haven't seen it, but like we need people solving problems right now. And I know that there's a restaurant group gathering together to start talking about how our restaurants going to move forward and what are they going to do independently because they're sick of waiting because because leadership positions have not helped give them direction, whether it's the governor, whether it's the legislature, um, whether it's the state health department. And I know hotels are talking about doing the same thing and probably retail will end up having to do that too. And it's a, it's a shame to me that we have a legislative body that are supposed to be representing us, supposed to be finding solutions, and they're still stuck on the political infighting. Like they can, they can propose things. They can call into session. They can, they can be investigating and leading these efforts to get these answers. I just would love to see us get past the politics of all this. Because I see the locals and, and anybody who says they can't do it, I'm seeing the local business owners who don't have the resources that our officials do, and they're trying to figure it out, and they're getting people together to do that. So off my soapbox now, I'm just... <laughs> so one last thing that I want to talk about before we jump into your interview with Carrie Baldwin is that yesterday was Earth Day. And the Pulse does a sustainability issue every year. And this year, that issue was pretty majorly reduced. Uh, but there were still some great articles written about sustainability in Door County. Can you tell me a little bit about some of those articles? Yeah. Um, for anybody who doesn't know about our sustainability issue, it's something we've been doing now for 14 years. Um, goes back to Dave Elliott and I just talking about, like, instead of like a, 
a business edition or something like that with the Pulse. We were like, why don't we do something? I'm like, how do we develop sustainably? So it started with like kind of a sustainable development angle of if we're going to do these things, how should we do them and make and not lose Door County, not lose what we love about it. And over the years, we've tried to pick different themes, um, whether it be water quality or uh, the, the health of our fisheries. Um, in the past, we've done things just like three big ideas for taking Door County off the grid, which seems pretty apropos right now. But this year, it's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. We were going to focus it on a lot of different aspects about this, but unfortunately, our print run is, our, our page count is much smaller now, and we just don't have the resources given everything we've got to put into the, the COVID situation right now. But we did still have a number of really good articles. Jackson Parr interviewed Tia Nelson, who is the daughter of Gaylord Nelson, the founder of Earth Day. And she talked about her memories of those early days and um, just kind of her father's ethos and, and what he would think of where it has gotten to today and the impact that made. And then I took a look at some of the classic ads because you might be too young, and maybe not, Andrew, but when I was a kid, there were like anti-littering campaigns yep. were ubiquitous on like the Saturday morning cartoon shows and the, the cartoons before school. Um, and then they like the Woodsy Owl and Smokey the Bear and all these things to try and they really had to preach to you not to litter. I think now it's a little more like, yeah, you don't just throw your trash in the ditch. I mean, plenty of people still do it, but... Right, there was that. There was the the infamous Native American with the single tear. Yeah, the ad. I think that you posted that on Facebook this week too. Uh, looking back at those ads, um, I I may be younger than you, Miles, but I do have a sister who's fourteen years older than me, so <laughs> I have a ton of eighties uh, pop culture knowledge from her. So that, that's my leg um, up. But I, I thought that was interesting, just to kind of look back at that, and, and even like I always think to this episode of Mad Men where they're at a picnic. And at the end of the picnic, he just takes his beer can and throws it into the woods and they, they pick up their blanket and just kind of shake all the garbage off it and just leave it in the park. And that really was what a lot of people did. Um, it's not an exaggeration. The Fox River used to be just full of tires and people would dump oil and mm -hmm. the manufacturing plants would just dump all their waste into the river. And people would when they finally cleaned it up, they had to pull entire vehicles out of the river huh. that people would just junk in there. So, you know, it's not when people talk about like, oh, the environmentalists are over the top. I mean, you're kind of losing the perspective of like where we were in 1970 right. versus where we are now um, and what we had to do to get people to stop doing pretty obviously stupid things. Right. It's it's kind of remarkable. Um, oh, and then Angela Sherman wrote a piece about homesteading, which... I think it's also another very timely article given that so many people are at home, maybe worried about the food supply and maybe more time on their hands. So she had some tips about homesteading and getting started and uh, some thoughts about like the uh, missteps she took early on and how she figured things out. You know, my dad was very much that way too when I was a kid. We had gone bankrupt when I was four or five years old and moved into this house that hadn't been lived in in a long, long time. And we got a bunch of goats and chickens and geese and we had sheep on this little two acre property and we grew vegetables. And um, it just reading her article kind of reminded me of going back to that time of trying to live off our own land as much as possible for a few years. And you know, there's a lot of lessons in it. I, I still love playing in the dirt. I'm not nearly as good a gardener as my, my parents are, but I still like to try and grow things. Um, 
But I think a lot of people are probably going down that same path this year. Yeah, my wife has dreams of homesteading. The closest that we get is that uh, there's a ton of ramps that grow in our backyard. So yeah. we make ramp butter every summer. Nice. Pretty nice. But uh, yeah, she definitely wants to get some chickens, some animals. And yeah. we need to move to a place with a little bit more non-forested land. But uh, that she's she's always been really interested in that too. So I will have her check out that article for sure. Anything else that we should talk about today before we jump into this interview with Carrie Baldwin-Miles? I I think that's it. Um, should be a, a fun interview. Carrie's always a, a hilarious person to talk to, um, and always got a always has great insight on. Well, she'll tell you whatever she thinks about anything. So expect that. <laughs> great. Well, Miles, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you for chatting with me, and I look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, today on the podcast, got a very special guest, an old friend, Carrie Baldwin, who is an event planner, a mom, and probably going a little bit crazy right now. Carrie, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Where are you calling from? I imagine you're calling from your house right now. Yes, exactly. I am sitting in um, my daughter's room because my children are upstairs watching, um, I'm not really sure. Maybe the price is right for math or let's make a deal for life skills, but um, they're not by me. (laughs) So normally this time of year, you are probably going, this is probably like a really crazy period because you have weddings maybe already starting and events starting. And then you're just deep in planning um, with brides and couples for the whole summer right now. Because how many weddings do you do in a year usually? Well, this year we had, I think that we're at 48 weddings starting <laughs> um, April to the end of April till the end of October. So, hey. but I've had all of obviously April, May, June, and July either postpone or I've had two cancel. The others have all postponed to 2021. All the way through July already? Every yeah. single one? Wow. Yeah. Um, and for the listeners who don't know, uh, so Carrie is a wedding and event planner, um, not necessarily tied to one particular venue. You do stuff all over the county, work with different venues, uh, different locations, both for the ceremony and the reception and the rehearsal dinners. So these are a lot of different balls in the air that every one of these cancellations is a lot of different people to contact. I take it. It is. It is a lot. And you know, what's amazing is the majority of, this uh, wonderful community has, they get it and they're, they're just postponing things. And that's what we're asking people is like, don't cancel it. Just postpone. Please. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, you know, there are some couples that are like, we've been in, engaged for three years. Like <laughs> we don't want to wait another year. And I understand that. I certainly understand that. Um, so it's just, it's, taking each wedding case by case and trying to work with all the vendors to say, do you have this date open for next year? Can we transfer all of this over? And, but like I said, the majority of people have been wonderful about it and really understanding. Um, and couples have been really good too. Yeah. Like they're sad and they're frustrated. And, you know, I mean, I've probably had, when this all started, I probably had 20 different vendors calling me saying, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm going I, like, I've never wanted a crystal ball more than I want one right now because <laughs> I have no idea. And, but, you know, it's just, it's a time where we have to be kind and we, we're all going to lose out, but 
this is also time that we're never going to get back. That, you know, yes, I am postponing weddings and homeschooling a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And I have to have comic relief constantly. <laughs> like, my kids will be screaming at each other, and I will just turn around and go, quit being a butthole. And they're like, what? Mom just said butthole? Like, <laughs> that is so not so inappropriate. And now, guess what? That's the word. That's the word that flies around in this world. <laughs> and it makes them laugh. It makes them smile. It's, you know, it, it, it's probably not the worst word. Come on, be honest. <laughs> I, it's really not. But, you know, for a six to eight-year-old, they, they, you know, my challenge is every morning, when, well, when homeschooling first started, I don't even know how many weeks it's been. Um, but my youngest, with kindergarten, um, we watched the video on the iPad every morning and her teacher has these little chain links that she connects together for how many days we've been e-learning. And I think she's at like 18 and I'm like, I've been doing, I've done this 18 days. How, how did I do this? (laughs) (laughs) It's only been 18. It seems like 18 years. Um. (laughs) Well, I think for like just the days that we've had school, like Easter break and all that sort of. And spring break was in there. Yes. Yes, exactly. But, you know, it, the first week was amazing because I was like, okay, we're going to get up. We're going to have breakfast. It's going to be normal. And we are going to, you know, both my girls each have a separate rooms and they have their desks. And then I thought it would be a great idea to get them these rolling chairs that now have just become bumper cars in my kitchen. Um, <laughs> because there's just no, <laughs> it's just a free for all. So that went away really quickly of trying to have that um, organized timeline. And I mean, what time is it now? Yeah, it's 1030. We haven't even cracked the iPad open yet. <laughs> I mean, what does this look like for for parents? Like when this when you're trying to do your job, you're you're now probably probably trying to do so many different things with these cancellations and and talking people through things and answering, trying to answer questions you definitely don't have answers to. But then you have the kids at home and like, what is the, the version of education you're able to pull off right now? (laughs) That's such a loaded question right now, Miles. Well, I mean, I, I honestly, I look at it that I am really fortunate that I get this time with my girls and I have seen my girls bond like no other. And it, it just makes my heart smile to see how amazing they are with each other. Um, in terms of learning, um, well, I'm not a big technology person, so I've never had an iPad. And the fact that I'm trying to work with two of them, um, and my kids know better than I do how to work them, that's, that's a struggle for me. <laughs> And then to realize that I'm, I'll look over, I'm like, Nora, why are you talking to the, are, are you reading something? No, mom, you can talk to the iPad and it writes your words out. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? No, you're supposed to be writing these out. And then, you know, it's, the teachers are amazing. What they are doing and the positivity and the encouragement that they have is outstanding. But I'll tell you, every single day I have to call one of the teachers because I don't understand something. And sometimes they're like, well, Carrie, you have to go into the iPad and you have to do this and this and this. 
I'm like, I can't figure it out. And they're so kind that the teachers will be like, you know, just go get a book and have your kids sit in the corner and read a book. <laughs> just, <laughs> just skip that part. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think, you know, they're doing like with the learning, they do a, um, a bingo card. So it's got physical education and it's got music and Spanish. And so they're supposed to pick every day what, you know, what special they're going to do. And we've done a few of the specials, but also like yesterday I was like, you want mac and cheese? Come in. I'm going to show you how to make mac and cheese. <laughs> so it's, you know, I'm like, well, that's, that's going to be home economics. You want to want to do math? Well, let's balance the checkbook. <laughs> I mean, <don't> start. <laughs> Actually, I mean, balancing the checkbook, This, if, if parents are able to actually spend a lot more time with their kids right now and just be like, here's what happens when our income drops in half. And exactly. here's how the budget works. It might be yep. the most valuable thing because we don't really teach a lot of that in schools anymore. It no. might be incredibly valuable. Right. It, it, it truly is. And I and there's a lot of bribery going on. Um, like if we can get to the end of the week and we've finished everything, it's uh, my girl's are love Legos. So we've got more Legos than anyone, but they'll get a new Lego set. And that's, that's kind of what they'll work for. And it gets us through. I mean, really it is a lot of, I mean, Camilla who's six broke down the other day, fell on the floor and was just sobbing saying, I miss my school. I miss my friends. And as a mom, it's heartbreaking, but you know, I mean, it's times like this that it's really hard to get them to understand. And also, Camilla, who is six, thinks that coronavirus and life go hand in hand. So yeah. we, like, basically, <laughs> she goes, Mom, I just don't care for coronavirus and life. And I'm like, good, well, we're not going to get life because we're not going to school. So that's okay. But, you know, that's a really um, interesting perspective is that, um, if you think back to when you're like five, six, seven years old, whatever happens at that point is like a huge chunk of your life. Yeah. And it all seems it's it's all like, OK, this is really cool or or sad or whatever. But this is what always happens. So I just remember like being like seven years old when this, they celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Statue of Liberty and there being this huge deal about it. I didn't really grasp that it was an anniversary. I just thought, oh, every year we do this big celebration for the Statue of Liberty. And so the next year came around and I was like, oh, we're not doing that again? Like, when do we do the <laughs> Statue of Liberty thing? Like on TV, that was cool. I like the fireworks. Like it's so for them now coronavirus is this major touchstone of what what life is until they until years go by. And one one day, maybe they'll look back on it. And, and yeah, I can't imagine these kids graduating high school and being like, remember our, those those two years or that that three month period or hopefully it's two months. But I don't think anyone really believes that right now. But like. No. Remember that time when we were just homeschooled and 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 mommy and daddy were teaching us the whole time? Like it's it's right. just going to be fascinating to see how they remember this. How we all remember it. Oh, and, and I just like say a little prayer for all these teachers that are going to get these kids next year and I'm just making them dumber by the minute. I mean like <laughs> we're ruining them, you know, and these teachers are Gibraltar is such an awesome school. I mean, everyone is so kind and encouraging and it's really amazing what they're doing and I imagine it's more work for them almost right now to do it um my girls said to me the other day they're like mom we forgot what you look like and I'm like what why <laughs> like, well, you kind of 
always put on a pair of leggings and a sweatshirt every day. <laughs> so then we started this new thing where I would, I get dressed and I come downstairs and say, what teacher am I? So yesterday they were like, you look like Miss Dobner because I had my hair in a bun and I had on an outfit and earrings that would look like something Michelle would wear. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we're just having fun with it. And, you know, it is a lot of stress. And I think right now this is the universe teaching us to be kind and saying, take a break, stop, listen, look around, look what you have. And we're so blessed. I mean, I'm going to get my summer off that I've always wanted. But I'm like I said, I'm going to be eating ramen noodles and drinking Blue Farm. <laughs> so, so I, what's going to change? I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Miles, he called me out on that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's, I just, I think that I, I feel that it's hardest on the older kids. You know, the younger kids don't really grasp all of it. And I know that there's a lot of older kids that are struggling and they're, you know, I know one, one boy that's, you know, he's a uh, 17 and he's been sleeping in a tent ever since this started outside. He's, he's protesting. I don't know what he's protesting, but he's sleeping in a tent. Um, We're all going to take different measures to sanity, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think back and I like those kids, like when I was growing up, we had, there were six of us in a very small house and, um, I, th I think of some families, you have the space to spread out. I And where, where we live, we have an orchard next to us. We have room to roam and everything. Um, but I remember even growing up in normal times, I was just outside all the time. I was going to the basketball court. I was playing games because that's where I could find space because we didn't have it in the house. And right now there are a lot of families that are locked down in, in homes like that where they just don't have that room to spread out. And I, I just, those families got to be just having a... a exceptional struggle right now, I would think, or maybe they're just really coming together and figuring it out. But like, um, yeah, we're, we are lucky if we have, we this, are so space. blessed. I mean, I, I said that from the beginning that there's nowhere else I'd rather be than here during this time and feeling safe and having this outstanding community. That's, you know, there's another family and, <clears throat> and Nate and I, we, um, ordered food to be brought down to the fire station to feed all the, everyone that's down there working. And what you see with this community, I mean, I've even talked to friends that are restaurant owners and they're like, we're getting like hundred dollar tips. Like what, what we're doing is amazing. I you know every right now, at least with my family, I will only buy local. I am, <clears throat> I was talking with Yenny at spot and said, how are you doing? And how are things? And, she just said how amazing everyone's been, how wonderful. And people are, the true colors are coming out of the people that care more than, <clears throat> that are taking the time, the extra steps to make sure that people are good. And I think that that's, if we were stuck in a little apartment in the downtown city and couldn't go outside, I, no way, no way. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I talk about it every day and I think like, man, if I, if I still lived right. on North Washtenaw in East Humboldt Park in Chicago, where we lived for six years prior to moving home, I mean, th there were just, we were in a three-story walk-up and I'm just trying to think of all those people cooped up like that. And when people say like, stay home, you can't come to Door County. I'm like, I get it. Like they're, hey, those are situations or being in a larger apartment complex where there's an outbreak, it's got to be significantly more real and scary to them. 
than it is to us up here. And oh, absolutely. And just absolutely. being confined. So, I mean, the one right. that's something what you said about people stepping up and being kind and being good. It's a good reminder because like 95 to 99 percent of us are doing those things. And sometimes it's hard if you hop on social media and you see some of the vitriol going through um, being sent out by people and some of the us against them mentality that comes out. You got to remember that's 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 a pretty small segment of people. And even when I get those people off of social media and I catch them on the phone or one on one, their tone is totally different. But the what people are putting out on social media sometimes is just it can get you take you into a bad place. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that's I'm talking with girlfriends, too, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't be on social media. I can't read it. I can't look at it. And there's so much hate. And I, I just don't look at it. Then it's, you know, we just we have to do what what we need to survive and going to dark places isn't isn't going to work for anybody. And this, you know, this community is so strong and amazing and wonderful. Like this food pantry that's taking place and people just dropping off cases of food and wipes and diapers. And that's, that's what this community is about. It's not, you know, it is hard. If I, if I had a second home up here and I was in the city, I, like, I, I don't blame these people for being like, we want to go. Not, not at all. Um, no, I don't. And like, I mean, even, what, what, even the people who have been, you know, making phone calls or sending texts to people that they hadn't texted in a while or dropping, like, I've, I've been fortunate. And I mean, my wife and I are doing great through this and we're in a very fortunate spot, but like, we've gotten some notes and it just means a lot. Like people are sending out notes just to say, um, thank you or to check in. How are you guys doing? Um, can't wait to hang out again. Like all those things. Um, we realize how much those day-to-day interactions and, and touch points get you through when they do come in now and you're like, oh yeah, people, those were, those were cool days. <laughs> well, even when you see like, like if you're watching TV and I see a large group, I like get antsy. I'm like, why are they all, why are they all together? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're two people. It's so weird how the mindset has changed because uh, I, I help organize a bunch of really large events. Your your whole life is organizing large events. And, yes. you know, there's that fear factor of like, all right, when is that possible again? And right now, like it you is. said, you're canceled through mostly through July. Um, yep. You know, we're we still have like a, a beer festival and a wine festival scheduled in June. We haven't made a, a final call on that yet. And, and p- some people are like, well, how have you not done that? And I was, well, every business right now, it's kind of weird when people start getting really judgmental. Um, when you go like, hey, people are trying to figure out the way forward. They're trying to figure out their life and like what's possible and whether or not they can, like with these large events, like is there going to be an opening to do a smaller version of it or something? Um, and I get it. Everyone's kind of panicked, but I, I do think almost everyone's got to give people a little break and a little space <laughs> on, on a lot of these decisions. Um, until they do something stupid, then come down on them hard as hell. I'm all for that. But <laughs> um, it's it's tough. And then when you look at, like, what is it? Is it going to be a crazy fall full of events? Or are we going to be second-guessing anything in the fall as well? Exactly. I mean, that's that's really – it's nobody knows. And I, I think that people have been doing great about the social distancing, um, especially up here. But no one has that crystal ball. And trust me, I wish I could – look into the future you know you've never wanted to see what what next year is going to look like more than now and it's it's but I also look, try to be positive about it and go you know what I'm never going to get this time back with my six-year-old and eight-year-old like 
this is this is a blessing. The universe was like, okay, everybody, slow down, <laughs> stop. And so I, you know, I try to be positive about that at the same time. But you know, there are days too. My mother is seventy four years old and lives alone in Minnesota. We FaceTime her about three times a day, and mm-hmm. they play guessing games and. I mean, it's, I try to be as interactive with her as I can because she is alone. And I think we also forget about the people that are living alone and don't have anyone to go home to. So I really am blessed by having two crazy girls and a husband. But Nate still is able to work. So he still goes to work. And I'm jealous of the hour and 10 minutes he gets to drive in the car with no one around him. <laughs> he usually comes home and I'm like, here's dinner. All right. I'm going out for a walk. I just need to go. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I, there's going to be so many stories that are going to come out of this and these kids are going to be stronger humans. And I, I'm, I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of our community. I'm proud of our school. Um, I'm not the most proud parent of how I'm homeschooling and balancing <laughs> things. I was actually on a, yesterday I had like four conference calls with clients and two of them ended with, um, okay, I'm going to wrap this call up because I can hear a child screaming that's going to come through this office door right now and you're not going to be able to hear me. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, you know, to explain to it, that's, that's the new normal is, Okay, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I am homeschooling a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, so this is this is kind of how our schedule is working. And people are amazing about it. They're absolutely they get it. You know what? What else are you going to do? How do you judge, or how do you balance, like what, or do you try to moderate, kind of what you show your kids as you go through this, or is it just like a free for all? Like I, I kind of curious how parents are. Like, all right, do we? Can you even protect them, or is there a value in in trying to say like, all right? We're, we're normal. Everything's good. You're fine. Or do you try and kind of explain the situation to them when they're six and eight years old? Um, I've explained it to them kind of in a, in a nutshell. I mean, I, I don't get into deep details with them cause I'll lose them. But, you know, in terms of, you know, like I said, they think life and coronavirus are the same thing. You just can't be around people. <laughs> and it is hard when, when, you know, they, they miss their friends and they don't understand, like, why, why, why can't I play with somebody? Can we be outside? I mean, we did in an outdoor play date <clears throat> with a friend, which I like drew the six foot line on the driveway. So one played on the other side, but they at least got to see each other. And at one point, I think Camilla said, I touched the, I touched her sweatshirt and she came running to me crying saying, am I going to get the coronavirus now? So it's, those little minds are working so hard and trying to understand, like, what is this? And Camilla at some point is always like, well, mom, when I'm at school, my friends always sit so close to me. I don't like how close they sit to me. I'm like, well, you're not going back to school this year. What do you mean I'm not going back to school? What about the bus? So it's, I think the approach that I am taking with the, with the schooling is, it's not a free-for-all. There are times like, okay, we're going to finish these three assignments, and then you guys can have a break, and you can play Legos, or you guys can go outside and ride bikes. And that's the, the biggest thing is my kids aren't just sitting in front of a TV getting dumber by the minute. I mean, do they watch shows? Yes. Do they watch shows that I 
I mean, they just found, let's make a deal. And I'm like, great. Which box? Is it door number two or do you go for the big box? Well, when would you pick? (laughs) But it's, it's learning with them. And I think life skills are so important. And when you look at school, so we get about five or six assignments a day. We could finish those in probably an hour if we push through it. And you think about school, it's a social. That's what we're teaching our kids, too, is how to be kind, how to be social, how to engage with others and follow rules and things like that. So that's really what they're missing out on. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm like, okay, can anybody get dressed today? (laughs) (laughs) Can we just put clothes on today to go to school? And, um, but it's, it's taking the time and listening to them as well. When they're sad, it's real. And hugging them and telling them it's going to be okay. And we're healthy and we're safe and reassuring them that, that this is going to, this will pass and we'll be good. But we don't know what the new normal is going to be. What what does that mean? Will we ever shake hands again? Will we ever be able to hug again? I mean, there's so many what ifs out there. Well, I I would think for a parent, in a way, this is sort of, if this goes on for like three, four or five more months at this level or something close to this, um, this might actually be the easiest part in a sense, because right now there's not, it's, it's been pretty ugly this spring in Door County. So there hasn't been nice days. There hasn't been like, oh, this is usually a day that I hang out with all my friends at a crowded beach, or this is usually a day that we're all at the park at the playground. And I wonder what it's going to be like as, as those things start to be that, that pull for those types of activities comes back. And like, I don't know what the beaches look like this summer. Um, Right. Right. Well, we went for it. Like we've gone for hikes and things like that. And, it is when they, I mean, we were down at Sister Bay and they have those big sand dunes that kind of came up and they, I'm like, is this going to be packed again? Like you look at those pictures too from like last summer and everything. And I don't know about anybody else, but when I look at big groups and I deal with big groups, that's, that's like, I heard unorganized chaos is my job basically. But when I look at these big groups, I get anxiety. Like, oh my gosh, why are they all together? That's not safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think for, for these kids, it's a whole new perspective, a whole new perspective. Now, hopefully they, they can still learn to socialize. <laughs> like, yes. Well, you know, and then there's all this, you know, we were doing like the FaceTime thing with friends and then it was to messenger and now you can like put beards on yourself. And then I was like, you guys aren't even talking. You're just like playing games back and forth. <laughs> And like I said, I am not technology driven. And so half the time I'm, I'm challenged in, you know, Googling, how do you upload? I mean, the other day I, for Camilla's assignment, she had to, um, she had to read something on her iPad and it wouldn't, and video. So she was videotaped reading something and it wouldn't, it wouldn't upload because the internet is awful. So I literally took my phone and I videotaped her reading on the iPad and then texted that to her teacher and said, will this work? <laughs> She's like, whatever works. Yep, that'll work. You know, I'm curious, like you and I, I'm assuming you do most of your work from your house. I mean, when you're not just yeah, bouncing all over the peninsula. Um, right. I can work from my house, although in for the most part I have been, but I, I still have to go out and, and cover some things from a distance uh, as this goes on. But 
I wonder have, in talking to other parents, the, what about those? Have you talked to many who have like the essential jobs where they have to go to work like your husband does, but you're able to stay home? Um, I just imagine this whole thing is so much harder if they're still trying to work a nine to five or an evening job and then then have that energy when they come home and cr create some sort of structure or balance those things. I, I don't know. Have you had have you talked to many parents who, who are in that boat? Yeah, I mean, there's a, I, I kind of think it's a blessing in disguise that my husband's able to go to work and that keeps like, this is, this is our new normal. Now, granted, he, he's the person that should be doing the homeschooling, not me, <laughs> not at all. And anyone that knows me knows that. Nate is very intelligent and I'm like, well, whatever. How do you spell done, mom? I'm like, I don't know. It's the UN. That'll fly, won't it? <laughs> like, but it's, um, other parents, too, I think, are really balancing um, back and forth. I mean, I've seen so many dads that have stepped up to the plate because the moms can still go to work. And this is all new for them, like this playing Mr. Mom. And But I think <clears throat> there's so much respect going on for individuals and encouragement. And, you know, we all get frustrated. I want to how come you can't figure this out? How do you not know what three plus seven is? How do you not know that? <laughs> you can't take that approach. You just have to, okay, hey, if I've got seven popsicles and then I add three more, I mean, just, parents are, are pulling everything out, every trick, every, <laughs> everything we can to just keep sanity. But, um, you know, and, and a lot of, like, as you know, I mean, 90% of us are in the tourism up here and, I know some friends that have restaurants that are that are going nonstop and their kids are having to do their own homeschooling, but they're older to do that. I mean, I I think this is easier for the younger kids. Um, I mean, I would be screwed big time if, <laughs> if I had like my girls were in high school or something like it would I wouldn't it wouldn't work. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> but the fact that, you know we can have fun and that they're, they're young is, is, is a blessing. Um, well, Carrie, we should, uh, we should do this again in a couple of weeks and see, see how deep down the Boone's farm trail you've gone after a couple more weeks yes. of this. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would love it. <laughs> we can kind of like do a follow up of, you know, maybe we should do like a spelling bee with kids or something like that on here. <laughs> we can see which mo which parents are winning and which ones aren't. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you find yourself just like really valuing those tax dollars that go to the school right now? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> I, 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 again, I can't say enough about our awesome school and how amazing these teachers have been and the encouragement that they're giving parents and, you know, everybody's, everybody is just taking such a great approach about it. I mean, like you said, we said earlier, 99% of people, true colors and amazing colors are coming out. And that 1%, they just don't know how to handle it. And it's unfortunate. Well, Carrie, thanks for joining me and, and chatting about this. It's great perspective um, to get from just a whole other angle on this uh, um whole situation that we've been talking about every day on the podcast so thanks and good luck in the weeks ahead we will be good we're going to come off stronger a couple weeks and catching up thank you so much for listening to the door county pulse podcast if you want to support us at the pulse check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly pulse subscription 
purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.